All right, good morning. And what a great day. This is such a good day. I'm glad you're here. We are continuing our series today uh, called Defining Moments. How many of you were here last week? Last week, a very significant uh, day in the life of our church and in so many people. The front of this auditorium, I've never seen it this packed before. Uh, four or five people deep going down the aisles of people fully surrendering their lives to the Holy Spirit. So many of you did that. I wanted to let you know we've been praying for you this week as a staff. We've been praying for you as our leadership team. Uh, you're on our, our prayer list every day. Somebody is praying for you as you begin this process of laying down your life for Christ. If you missed that message, go back, listen to the podcast. It is like I said last week, it is, it is what I think is maybe not the best message I ever preached, but is definitely one of the most important messages I have ever preached, or I think I probably ever will preach. So if you didn't come last week and you came this week, sorry. Okay, so let's get to the second best message, okay? Uh, this one's just going to be okay. Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, how many of you are inspired to listen right now? Hey, I, I just laid it all out last week, so this is just kind of like throwing leftovers out, okay? That's what this is today. I don't know. I'm wore out. Here you go. Uh, warm this up in the microwave. I hope it's good. Okay, Luke chapter 5 is where we're going to be. I'm, I, I'm, hopefully I'm kidding on that. Uh, I, I believe today is really going to be another, this whole series is just going to be fantastic, so I hope you're going to be here every week for this series, because I believe God has a defining moment in every single one of our lives, many, many defining moments. He has purposes and plans and things he wants to do in our lives. So Luke chapter 5, it's Matthew, Mark, and then Luke. Luke was one of the followers of Jesus. He wasn't one of the disciples, but he followed the disciples around, and he, he heard the accounts of Jesus's life, and so he wrote them down in this book, and we're in chapter 5. If you don't have a paper Bible with you and you've got a mobile device, go to corechurch.com and download the Bible there, or if you want a free Bible there at the Next Steps room, we give those away, no questions asked. Just go back there and say, hey, I don't have a Bible, and we want to put one in your hand. We think that's really important. So Luke chapter 5 is where we're going to be here. Um, Jesus has uh, is in the process of beginning his ministry on earth. Uh, he's like right around 30 years old or so at this time. And in chapter 5, we pick up the story of when he first calls his disciples. and says this, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, and Simon, by the way, is Peter. We'll see that here in just a moment, so that's just another name he had. Uh, Simon, who was Peter, its owner, he said, will you push it out into the water? So he sat in the boat, Jesus did, and he taught the crowds from there, from Simon Peter's boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master Simon said, hey, we worked hard all night, didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. That is a good haul for the day. And when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus, and he said, please leave me, I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, who were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, two pivotal players in his life, were also amazed. 
And Jesus replied to Simon, hey, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything, and they followed Jesus. Let's pray as we've read this. God, thank you for what you have already done in this service. It's just uh, uh, amazing, just amazing how you have already shown up. And we ask in the moments that we have now, we want to hear from you through your word. So, church, I want to ask you as you have your head bowed to just pray for the people around you. You might know them, you might not know them, um, but let's pray for one another. Somebody's praying for you right now, you pray for someone else that we would be open to what God once said. Pray for me as your pastor, that I would be faithful uh, to the text and faithful to what God wants to say to us. And if you're ready to hear from the word, give me a big amen. Amen. Well, today, what I want to talk about is this, and I'd like for you to write this down. Small moments lead to defining moments. Small moments lead to defining moments. Now, this is not normally the way we think it goes. We, we usually are, are sitting around waiting for this really big defining moment. Even as we, we started this series and we think about this series, you're like, okay, I'm waiting on this really big thing that God is gonna lay on me. But I can tell you, it usually does not work that way. Actually, the way defining moments work is defining moments happen in what what I would say are the small, seemingly insignificant moments of our day, things that we don't really even pay attention to. For for example, this this gentleman here, his name is David. David is homeless. And I was driving two weeks ago, and I was at the corner of 71st and Memorial, and I was uh, on my way to an appointment. And I had a place I needed to get to, and, and I glanced over, and I, and I saw David. And if you've driven anywhere in Tulsa, you've seen Davids, right? I mean, you see they're everywhere. They're on the side. They got their sign. And I'm like, well, there, there's another guy uh, with his sign. And I'd love to tell you as a pastor that compassion just rose up in me in that moment and, and thought, man, what could I do to help this guy? No. Not at all. I had an appointment. I had an appointment I was going to. Honestly, I wasn't even really thinking about him. The only thing I thought as I was sitting in my car was I looked over at him and I thought, really? Wow, we stepped up the game on this one. We got an American flag and my wife is in ICU. That, that's what I was thinking in that moment. I'm like, this dude has stepped up his game so that he can maybe get a little bit more from people like me on the corner. And as I began to pull away, and I drove away from that, that corner, and on the way to my appointment, I got only about a block away, and that's when God just began to speak to me, and he said, I want you to go back, I want you to talk to him, and I'm like, I, I, I got an appointment I got to get to, God, he said, no, I want you to go back, I want you, I want you to talk to him, I, I, I need you to talk to him, and I'm like, what am I going to talk to him about, I don't, I don't even have any money, I don't have any money, I don't have anything, because I don't carry any money, Laura takes all the money out of my wallet every night, I have nothing, I mean, I... <laughs> Amen, men, amen. I mean, I was like, I've been at the store before going, oh, okay, not buying that. You're buying my lunch today, dude. I don't have anything. And so I don't. I don't have any money. I'm pulling away. And, 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 and God and I are having this, this conversation for about two blocks. He's like, are you just going to go on to your little appointment, or are you going to turn around and do what I told you to do? And, I, and in that moment, I remembered a story where Peter, in another instance, where he was going to the temple, he was on his way to an appointment, and there was a beggar there, and the beggar was asking for money. And Peter looked down at the beggar, and he said, I don't have any money, but um, what I do have, I'll give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And the man was healed. 
And so I said, okay. Um, and God said, I want you to go back. I want you to tell him that. Okay, okay all right. That, all right, I'll do it. And so I, I turned my car around, uh, which is, this is not like me just to do something. And I just like, okay, I'll just go and I'll talk to this guy. And I don't even know what I'm doing, but I'll, I'll go talk to the guy. And so I pull over and I see him there and I'm in my car and I motion him to come over and he comes over to my window. And I said, so what's your name? He said, I'm David. And, and I said, now your wife's in, because I'm your wife's in ICU? And he said, yeah, yeah, she is. And I was like, oh, wow, what's so, uh, where at? And he's like, he tells me St. Francis. And I'm like, okay, that's good. What room? And he tells me the room. He tells me her name. And he tells me that um, she's had a stroke and she's fighting for her life. That she's had a brain hemorrhage. Same thing that Laura's uncle had um, and passed away from. And in that, that moment, I, I said, well, um, I see you have this sign, you know, you got this sign that says, may, may God be with you, and uh, do, you, do, you do you really believe in God? Because, I mean, I'm just a skeptic, okay? Am I the only one? I mean, I'm just like, do you just have the sign just so people will, because you know what part of the country you're in, and if I put God on the sign, I, get, I mean, do you believe in God? He's like, yeah, I actually do believe in God. And I said, well, okay, let me tell you what God told me to tell you, and you just see what this is like. And so I told him the story of Peter and seeing the beggar, and he said he didn't have any money, and I go, does that sound familiar at all? And he's like, yeah, it does. And I go, that's you, David, and that's me, right? He's like, yeah. I said, well, I don't have any money. But all I know to say to you is, in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. I said, David, I don't know even know what that means to you. Because you can walk, but I don't think God wants you on this street corner. I think God has something in your, in your life. He wants to do something in your life. And this isn't your, your landing spot. He has something for you. And so we had a little conversation and I said, can I pray for you? And I prayed for him. And I said, now tell me about your wife. And, and then God says, go, go see his wife. I'm like, go see his wife. <laughs> okay. I'm like, I got an appointment to get to. And I said, could I go see your wife and maybe pray for her? And he's like, man, you'd really do that? And I go, uh, well, it's not really me. But I, uh, yeah, yeah, I would do that. And, and he said, yeah, absolutely. He gives me the room number. I get in the car, and I, I drive up to St. Francis. I go up to the IC unit. I'm walking down the hall. I walk into the room, and there she is. There she is laying unconscious, fighting for her life. I look over at the name just to make sure it's legit because I didn't want to be in somebody's room that I wasn't supposed to be in. And there it was, Bertha. And so I walked over to her bedside. There's nobody there. There's no family. She doesn't really have any family. Uh, her mom is somewhere in town, and she has David, and, and so I just started talking to her, and I started uh, this conversation with her, and I said, they told her what I just told you, and I said, I'm going to pray for you. I hope this is okay, not like she could in that moment do anything, so I put my hand over on her head, and my, all I remember is, I'll never forget, I put my hand on her head, and my hand was cold, and my first thought was, don't do that. You're going to wake her up, <laughs> which is the point. But that's what I was thinking. I'm like, I don't want to startle her because uh, I'd never done this before. Listen, I don't go to the hospital. huh? Most of you know that. If you come to court church, if I come to the hospital to visit you, we're either really good friends or you are about to meet Jesus. So if I come see you, you better hope we're good friends. I'm not, that's, not, that's not even funny. That's just the truth. So I, 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 I laid my hands on her. I prayed for her that in the name of Jesus she would rise and walk, and I'd love to tell you that she woke up in that moment and there was this incredible miracle. It didn't, and 
And I, and I, I just spoke to the hospital again this morning, and she's still, she's still unconscious. She's still fighting for her life. And her name's Bertha. I encourage our church to pray for her. She's on our prayer team praying for her. But as I began to walk out of that hospital room, I thought, how in the world did I g- get here? What am I doing? How did I end up in the ICU unit at St. Francis when I was going over here and now I'm here? All I can tell you is this. Small moments lead to defining moments. Small moments lead to defining moments. So how are you handling those small moments that come your way? Each and every day, God presents small moments in our lives. How are you handling them? What are you doing with them? Are you aware of them? Do you, do you see them? When God brings it your way, do you, do you say yes to that defining moment? Looking at Peter here. Let's go back to the scripture. Peter, this is one of his defining moments. It was when he was called to follow Jesus. An incredibly defining moment in the life of Peter, But what we miss here in this scripture and in this story is there were three smaller moments that set up this defining moment. And I want us to look at these three moments because I think these are pivotal to us in our defining moments. I think it would be really good if you wrote these down because they typically happen in these stages. They start small and they begin to build until you find yourself in a defining moment. So here's the first one. First one I want you to write down is this. The first moment is the testing moment. I call this the testing moment. This is when Jesus asked Peter to lay down his nets. He asked him to lay down his nets. Let's go back to the, to the passage, Luke 5, 3. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, being Peter, its owner, to push out into the water. Notice this. Before Jesus ever asked Peter to join him in changing the world, he said, hey, can I borrow your boat? It started with something small and seemingly insignificant. Small moments lead to defining moments. But as I have already said, so many times we're waiting around for that aha moment, aren't we? We're waiting around for that big thing that God's going to do. When really what Jesus does each and every day is he steps into our boats He steps into our lives and offers us an opportunity to step into something great. I I just think even about like the the adopt-a-block that that we've been doing. We've done this now, I don't know, six times or so, and we've gone out into the neighborhoods. And I think about when we did this at Easter. There's a group of about 12 of us that gathered on a Wednesday night. We just went out in the neighborhood, and we just knock on doors and just meet our neighbors and say hi and see if there's any way we can help or assist or anything, anybody they know, anything like that. And it just seems to be small and insignificant. One, when we were doing the Easter one, Laura and I were on one street, and we were walked up to this door. I'll never forget this moment as long as I live. And we walk up to the door because you never know. I know some of you are just freaking out. You're like, I mean, because you don't know what's going to happen when somebody comes to the door. There's no training for what's about to go down. I can tell you what happened in this moment for Laura and I. There was no training for me for this moment and what was about to take place and happen. And so we walk up to the door, and it's got one of those glass doors, you know, that you can see all the way through. And so I I knock on the glass, and this, this, this dude... This dude stands up, and he's just, when he stands up, every muscle in his body goes, and he has no shirt on, 
and he's walking to the door like this. And he opens up the door, and he's like, can I help you? And I'm like, uh, yeah, you could start by putting a shirt on, dude. You're not helping me. It's my wife here. Come in, and Laura's like, yeah, you want to come to our church? <laughs> wow. <laughs> we, we don't have a dress code. You just come as you are. Really? Could you put a shirt on? Help a brother out. And then I'm like, hi, my name's Brad. And I go, he goes, my name is Antonio. I'm like, really? Am I in a dream? Am I being punked? What's going on? Is that, is that your Gold's gym name? What is that? Antonio. We walk away from that door, and here's, here's Laura. We need to pray for Antonio. We just got to pray for him. I'm going to remember him in my prayers every day. Lord, you just given me this. And I was busting. I was like, oh, you know it. She's like, no, I just know. No, you know it. So that was, that was Laura and I. That was our moment. What we didn't know, though, was that just a couple of blocks away, two members of our team were, were knocking on a door of a single mom who had just been saying, man, I need, I need a change in my life. I don't know what to do. And God impresses upon her to, to go to church. And somebody from our church, just two blocks away from that encounter, knocks on her door, hands her this little Easter invite card, and today, Jenny got baptized. Man. See, small moments, a little door hanger, lead to defining moments, the radical transformation of a human life that we get to play a part in. Peter, he had every reason to say no. I mean, he's a busy guy. And he's, he's working on his nets. This is what he does for a living, right? He's working on his nets. He's, he's got to get them prepared for the next day. He's so busy. He could have said, hey, hey, Jesus, no, I'm sorry, dude. I can't, I can't help you. I mean, i got to get busy. Can you use that guy's boat over there? Imagine if Peter had said no. There would have been no walking on water. There would have been no part of him being able to feed 5,000. There would have been no, hey, I'm going to change your name to Rock, and you, on you, Peter, I'm going to start the church, and you're going to preach a message, and 3,000 people are going to come to know me in one day. None of that would have ever happened. Peter would have been a footnote in human history, except that Peter said yes to a small, seemingly insignificant moment. I wonder how many times I've said no because I'm on my way to an appointment. I mean, I'm busy. Aren't you busy? I'm on my way to my kid's recital. I've got, a, I've got ball practice I've got to get to. I, I've got this appointment, and I've got to go shopping, and I've got this happening. Man, I'd love to help out in the kids, but I'm just really, really busy. And I'd love to go to Abba Center, but on Saturday night, I'm just wore out, and I'm tired. It's the only time I get to myself. And, and we miss... We miss a defining moment because we say no to something small and seemingly insignificant. Here's what's going on. God is testing you. He's testing you to see, are you willing to be obedient? 
Because we all sit there and we all sit in the seats and we all want something significant and meaningful to happen in our lives. I want that to happen to me. You know how that happens? It happens because you say yes and are obedient in something that seems to be meaningless. And God says, that's the person I can use. So that's the first moment. Let's look at the second moment. The second moment is the trust moment. Jesus, this is the trust moment. First one's the testing moment. Second one's the trust moment. Jesus asked Peter to let down his nets. So the first time he says, I want you to lay down your nets and let me use your boat. Next time, now he's saying, I I, I want you to let down your nets. Look at verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Now remember, Peter, what, he'd been fishing all night, right? Peter's the professional. Let's not forget that. Now, you and I, we have history on our side. We know Jesus is the Son of God. Peter doesn't know this. He knows Jesus as a rabbi, as a teacher. I mean, I just think in that moment, I'd be like, hey, dude, dude, you, you stick to what you do best. I'll stick to what I do best. That's what I would have said. I know what I'm doing here. But he, he, he even gets in kind of a reasoning mode here with Jesus. He wants to reason with Jesus on to why he should not do this. Look, look at verse 5. He says, it's master. Hey, we worked hard all last night. We, we didn't catch a thing. I, I imagine in this moment, Jesus kind of just gave him that look like, like, you know, man, your wife does. Like, really? Really? And you know, men, when you get that look, what do you do? You let down your nets. That's what you do. You know what's good for you. See, women, you get that look from the Lord. That's where that comes from. You're welcome, ladies. That way, I tossed you a free one. You're welcome. Sorry, guys, I just threw us totally under the bus on that one. I'm re- I don't know why I did that. I'm, I'm sorry, man. I will repent of that later. But he said this. He said, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. So, you ever notice, guys, sometimes God, what he asks us to do doesn't make sense. Hey, why don't you stop talking to this guy, get up to the hospital and pray for this lady. What are you talking about? This is the story of Scripture. This is the story of the Bible. Abraham, hey, Abraham, I'm going to start the entire world through you, the entire uh, Hebrew children and then the Christians and everything's going to come through you and I want you to kill your son. What? It doesn't make sense. Hey, Noah, guess what? I'm bringing a great flood. I know it hasn't flooded for a long time. Why don't you start building an ark? doesn't make any sense. Hey, Moses, hey, I want you to go to the greatest leader in the world at its time. You know, he's had us in, in slavery for 400 years, but I want you to go tell him, let my people go. Really? David, I want you to get a sling and kill that giant. Re- what? 15 years ago, I think of us when we started this journey and somebody said, hey, we want to start a church and, and this church that we were a part of said, we're going to launch and begin a brand new church and it's going to be in a school. <laughs> and I remember sitting in that meeting going, really? People are going to come to a church in a school? What are you smoking? Really? And God said, really, Brad, are you willing to let down your nets? Because I want you to go. I'm so glad I went, and I see what God has done in 15 years from small, seemingly insignificant moments. So that's the trust moment. Let's go to the third one. third one is this, transformation moment, the transformation moment. So you got the testing moment, then you have this trusting moment. Now you have, now you have it, the defining moment. Now you have it, the transformation that takes place. 
Jesus asked Peter to leave his nets. Verse 10 and 11. Jesus said this, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and they followed Jesus. I like Matthew's account. Matthew says it this way, that Jesus looked at him and said, hey, follow me. And they just left. They just dropped their nets and they followed after him. Now, this is a big, big defining moment for Peter because what you may or may not know about the Jewish people is the, the Hebrew children, the boys, when they are born and when they're raised, they hope that one day they're going to get chosen by a rabbi. They hope they're going to get chosen by a teacher, so they go to school for that. And, and some are chosen and some are not. And those who are not chosen, they kind of go back and they do basically what their dad did for a living. That's Peter. That's Peter. He, he wasn't chosen when he was about 12 years old. He wasn't picked to, by a rabbi. And so he goes back to this seemingly insignificant life, kind of forgotten. He's unqualified. Nobody's thinking about him. He's a fisherman in this small little village, and Jesus comes and taps him on the shoulder and says, I pick you. This is who Jesus is, and this is what he says to you. He goes to people who seem forgotten. You ever felt that way? You ever feel like you're unqualified? I, I, I don't know how I could even begin to do that. I want you to meet somebody today, because I think this is going to help us today. Uh, I want to invite Sarah Grounds to come up. Sarah, come on up and... Uh, I want you to meet Sarah. She's with Nightlight Tulsa. Will you give her uh, a hand this morning? Sarah's with Nightlight Tulsa. You can sit right there, right there. Uh, Sarah's with Nightlight Tulsa, and they are an organization that uh, feeds the homeless and an incredible ministry in downtown Tulsa under an underpass. I'm going to let her share that for you here in a second. Our youth have gone down there. Uh, my daughter has said, Dad, we got to go. And so my daughters dragged me down there, and we went down there. It's an amazing organization that Sarah and just a group of church people like you and I decided to start. So Sarah, tell us, um, give us, for those that don't know what Nightlight Tulsa is, just give us an overview of what it is. Okay. Is it on? Yes. Um, Nightlight Tulsa is an outreach um, in downtown Tulsa under a bridge. We meet every Thursday night and set up everything. We have haircutting, books, a warm meal, uh, clothing, foot washing, everything. It's like a little city under a bridge. And we um, work to build the community down there. We work with the homeless and we work with low income. And um, as it's grown, we see that we're not just working with those people, but we're also working with our volunteers um, who come out for healing, so. And how, and how many, um homeless on average, what does that look like? Is it 10 or 15, hundreds? What does that, what does that look like? Um, right now, we are serving about 250 people every week. So, wow. Um, we, wow, yeah. <laughs> we have anywhere from, um, we usually have right now in the summertime around 100 volunteers every night that come out, and then we serve 250 from, there's a neighborhood right there that uh, has low-income families uh, and then we also have all the homeless in that community. So, so basically the way this ministry happened is uh, one day, boom, just launched it. 250 <laughs> homeless people showed up. You had the foot washing and the, and the books and the, and the clothing and the, and the prayer ministry and, and lots of volunteers. And it was just like, <laughs> Sometimes I feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, I, I, no, I love your story because this, this is your story. Small right. moments lead to defining right. moments. Share how this crazy ministry uh, got started with just a small, okay. seemingly insignificant moment. So um, 
it really, I feel like God had put little pieces along the way that we didn't understand um, or were just ignoring maybe. Um, my husband had asked me to watch a documentary with him, and I did, and it um, spotlighted, a place, spotlighted a place in Portland that was um, feeding under a bridge. And I felt that urge of, I didn't want to just sit, I wanted to do, but really, I mean, we felt very in, in, insignificant on how we were gonna do that, and who were we to do that, and, and things like that. And so I had a friend that had done mission work there, and she loved it, and so we kind of talked, and then we just kind of let time pass. And um, my son, my oldest son, uh, for his eighth birthday, he had said, um, and we had fed downtown every, every so often, but he said, for my eighth birthday, I want to go downtown and feed the homeless. I want to pack meals, I want to go walk around, and I want to pray with them. And as a, as a mom, <laughs> my first thought was, this is nuts. There is no way other moms are gonna let me take their little kids downtown <laughs> and feed homeless people. I'm like, let's do a Star Wars birthday. <laughs> You know, and so he's like, no. And so I was talking with a lady um, that, I, that I respect very much, and she said, do not extinguish that fire. Listen to his plan and carry it out as closely as you can. And so I was like, man, I really would just rather do a Star Wars party, but okay, we're going to go with this. And so I invited, um, invited his friends. We, he didn't want a party at all. He didn't want cake and ice cream. He didn't want any of that. He wanted to go feed the homeless. And so we invited him, and we, we took him, and we fed the homeless, and every one of those parents let their kids come. Wow. And as we were down there, um, you know, it just, uh, seeing people as people, and watching kids, I think, you know, Jesus tells us to, to be like the children. And, oh, man, they have no, they have no judgment of anybody. They don't, they, they were giving businessmen in suits lunches, the same as they were giving a guy that was barely clothed. And so we did that, and then the next week we were in charge of our community group, and so we thought, well, let's just go feed again. <laughs> and so we did, and as we were walking along, some, some of our friends were like, you know, we should do this more often, and I w it just hit. And I was like, this is the door. This is what I'm supposed to walk through. And so we um, started planning and our, got my friend that had been to Portland um, involved, and we... Um, planned for about a month, and I can remember heading to the bridge that first night. I thought I was going to throw up. I didn't, I'm like, I don't know what we're doing. We are not qualified. We have no idea. What is, what are we doing? And people would say to us, you're just going to get taken advantage of, or, um, you know, that's a dangerous area, or whatever, but we knew that that's what we were supposed to be doing. And so the first night we got down there, we had about 30 people show up and a lot of onlookers from a distance and um, we just loved people we just sat down and had a meal with them and and we just spent time and saw people for being people and um, we were changed forever and um, one of the stories that I think I would it's my favorite all-time favorite bridge story um, we have a foot washing section and we knew if we did nothing else, we would offer food and foot washing. And so 
I, nobody else would do the foot washing station, I don't know. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'll eat it. I've never washed anybody's feet before, but okay. So um, we, I walked around and asked different people if they'd like their feet washed, and I had a guy that kind of came over, and I could tell he was very uncomfortable, but he was drawn to it. So he sat down, and I washed his feet, and he... Um, he was very uncomfortable the whole time. And he's like, I can't believe you would be down here. You guys are crazy. It's dangerous. And I, the whole time I'm thinking, I'm just this little white girl who doesn't know what I'm doing. <laughs> because I was so out of any comfort zone that I had established for myself. And, and his, his name was Hurricane. He was um, moved here from after Hurricane Katrina is from the south. And he at the very end, I just kind of patted him on the leg and said, thank you for spending your time with me and letting me, letting me serve you like this. And he immediately diverted his eyes and told me, you are making me very uncomfortable. And I thought, oh man, what am I doing? What am I doing? I have no idea what I'm doing out here. And I thought, I've ruined this. He'll never come back. He's going to tell his friends not to come. I don't know what I'm doing. And, um, the next week, we came back, and I had thought about him all week and just the experience that he had had and how I'm not qualified and how I don't know what I'm doing down there. And and um, I was back at foot washing again because nobody else would wash feet. <laughs> and so I'm over there, and I see him come from the corner of the bridge, and he walks directly to me, and he says, sit down, now it's your turn. And he got down on his hands and knees, and he washed my feet. And I learned that it's not about me, that God will do great things through whoever he chooses to do them. And that, um, that even those who feel uncomfortable in the moment, when we reach out to them and treat them like a person and that we love them and that we say yes to that in a sense, into stepping out of our own comfort zone and into what God wants us to do, he will reach them, even if they're uncomfortable in that moment. Amen. So, yeah. Man, that's so mm. awesome. You give Sarah a big, oh my gosh, thank you so much. So good. Um, if you want to meet Sarah, um, she's going to be out here at the table after the service. And thank you so much. I'll take that mic for you so you don't have to carry that around. And then your husband, Jason, where's Jason? Stand up, Jason, so they can see you, because Jason's a muscle. Um, no, stand up. Like, stand up. No, like, really clap for him. I was joking with him because anytime, if you're married, you know how this works. Anytime you sign up, your spouse signs up, right? And he didn't know what he signed up, and he's literally the muscle. He drives the truck every, every Thursday, every Thursday down there setting up a city underneath the bridge. It's an incredible ministry. I hope that you'll just go out and meet Sarah and encourage her and Jason both. They have some information back there. We'd love for you to partner with them and get involved with them. Just remember this, it's small moments that lead to defining moments. Let me pray for you this morning. God, thank you for this example of Peter. Thank you for the example of Sarah. What small moments, God, are we overlooking? If you're here today and you're
you're a follower of Jesus, and you just admit right now and say, yeah, I've been overlooking some small moments. I've not been open to small moments. I've been busy. I've been feeling unqualified. I've been feeling that I can't make a difference. I've been feeling like, who am I? On and on and on, the excuses that we make for that. You say, I've just been ignoring God, and I, I've honestly been waiting kind of for this big defining moment, but today I want to I surrender that to God, and I want to begin to be open to those small moments. I'd like for you to raise your hand so I can pray for you, okay? Anybody like that today? You, you want to be open to small moments. I see you all over, all over the place, hands everywhere. Put your hands down. Let me pray for you. God, for those who have raised their hands and In this moment, they're fully surrendering their life to you. Another area of their life where they say, God, I've been ignoring this. God, I've not been obedient in this area. God, today I surrender. Just say that to God right now. I surrender my heart, my soul, my will, my all, everything to you, God. Show me, God. Begin to reveal those moments to the people who have raised their hands, God. Begin today, even today, for them to see those small moments. And in those moments, God, may your Holy Spirit rise up in them and give them the power and the strength and the courage and the confidence to say yes. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to welcome you to make that commitment. Jesus didn't just come for Peter. He came for you. He wants to step into your boat. He wants to step into your life. And and what that begins with is the same statement that, that Peter had. Follow me. That's what Jesus says to you today. If you're not a follower of Jesus, he says, just follow me. What does that mean? It means this. I want to lay down my sin. I want to lay down my shame. I want to lay down my insecurities. I want to lay down myself. God, forgive me. Make that your prayer today. God, forgive me. I want to be like Peter. Man, maybe you're just like him today. In the story, you heard how he cowered in the boat in that moment because he said, why are you near me? I'm a sinner. Get away from me. But Jesus said, no, I'm coming to your boat. I'm coming into your life. That's who Jesus is. He doesn't wait till you're all cleaned up. He comes to you in your sin. He says, I will forgive you and I will make you new. So make that your prayer today. God, forgive me. If you made that prayer, your prayer today, would you just raise your hand? I'm not gonna embarrass you. I won't make you come up here. I just wanna know who you are. Thank you, see you in the back, all the way in the back, gotcha. All the way in the back on my left, I got you over there. Anybody else here in the middle? Somebody else? Anybody else? You say, I'm, I'm giving my life to Jesus today. God, for those who have made that commitment to follow you, let them know they are new in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we-